the book of Philippians, and so the young people, again, are memorizing it for school. So I thought it would be good for us to kind of just work through this particular um, book as far as Philippians. Church, I mean, while you're turning there, let me just kind of up to, get us up to speed, and we'll pray and get running a little bit tonight. But uh, we, we looked at the first 11 verses, and we looked at those verses and showed what Apostle Paul prayed for. In verse number 9, he said, and this I pray, and then he mentions the three things he prayed for, and that was love, spiritual discernment, and being to be no offense. Then in verses 12 through 21, verse 12, he said, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather than the furtherance. And we understand that Paul gave three reasons on why he was in prison, basically, why these things happened to me. And those same three reasons is why bad things seemingly sometimes happen to us. And we looked at that also. The next one we looked at was verses 22 through 30. And um, talked about how in verse 24 it says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And we looked at why you should be needed. Same reason Apostle Paul was needed. And then we looked at verses 1 through 11 of chapter number 2 last week or a week before. And we talked about the mind of Christ. And tonight I want to pick it up. And we're going to pick it up in verse number 12 tonight. And we'll read down to verse number 18 and look at these verses together. Verse number 12 says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered, Paul speaking, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all, for the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. I want to preach a message on the thought coming from verse 15. Paul said this in verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. It's a seemingly unusual thought but really kind of goes along with what Paul, so Paul is saying, is in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I want to preach on that thought tonight for just a little bit. Heavenly Father, thank you again for letting us be here tonight. And Lord, I know sometimes it's, it, it, we can come and our mind, our focus really can be on what we're going to do after church or this week. Lord, I ask you to please again, would you calm our spirit? Would you help us, Father, again to uh, be praying and seeking that you would speak to us in a real way tonight? If there's someone lost, help them be saved. And Lord, help every Christian to be edified. Lord, I ask for your help tonight. Give us again liberty and power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Church family, Apostle Paul, when he was writing in chapter number two, we looked at last week about the mind of Christ. In fact, if you remember correctly, he said in verse number, chapter number two and verse number five, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We understand that the mind of Christ was a mind of humility. And again, I know there's other things that can, we, we could draw from those verses, but look at verse number six again. He says, who being in the form of God, talking about Jesus Christ, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. He what? What's the word? Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Church, tell me, what's the first word in verse number nine? All right, verse number nine, the, the very first word is wherefore. Kind of very similar to the word therefore, whenever you see that particular word. And what he's saying is what, what just had been said because of, or as is so, then he goes into the next statement. So, for instance, in verse number 5 through 8, we have the humility of Jesus Christ. And wherefore, or because of that humility that Christ had, this is what took place next. Look at verse number 9 with me. Wherefore, God also hath highly, what's the word, exalted him. All right? So, we understand that God's law of opposites is the only way to go up is to go 
down, all right? If God's going to exalt us in due time, the first thing we have to do is what? We have to humble ourselves, okay? So Jesus Christ is the example of that in, in the mindset that God, who, Jesus Christ, who came from glory, came to this earth, he humbled himself as fashion on man that God would now exalt him, all right? Look what he says again in verse 9. Wherefore, or because of his humility, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, church family, in verse number 9, the word every is used. Also in verse number 10 and also in verse number 11, I find it interesting. Because what we find is, is that every name, that Jesus' name is above every name in verse number 9. We find out in verse number 10 that every knee shall bow. And then in verse number 11, we find that every tongue shall confess. Why? Because Jesus was exalted after he humbled himself. Now, we have to understand Jesus didn't need humbling. Jesus humbled himself as an example to us. Jesus was God. So let me read these verses now again with you. Verse number 9 goes on to say, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, in things in earth, and things under the earth. Now, that phrase is mentioned in Revelation 5 and verse 3, and also verse 13 and a couple other places. But I really think it gives the indication that every person is one day going to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're in heaven, you're saved. Whether you're on earth, can be believers or unbelievers, or whether you're under the earth, which means you're in hell. There's going to be a day that everybody's going to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, I know there's some people that can get awful haughty about, I don't have to answer to anybody with this humanistic thought that man is God. But I'm just telling you, one day everyone's going to bow before Jesus Christ. We will bow at the judgment seat of Christ. They, those who are lost, will bow at the great white throne judgment. Look what he says next now in verse number 11. I'll pick it up. It says, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what's the first word in verse number 12? Wherefore, in other words, because of, or as is said again, this word wherefore, so too, or therefore, or because, in verse number 12, because Jesus Christ is Lord, and that every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Let me just stop, again, trying to tie the verses together. I think what Apostle Paul is trying to tell the church at Philippi is the reason you can obey when I'm there and when I'm not there is because of the previous verse. That's why he said wherefore is because Jesus was Lord of their life. Amen. We're raising a generation of young people today that we're trying to get them to do what mom and dad said instead of getting them to understand that Jesus is Lord of their life. Because I want to tell you, it won't matter if mom and dad's there if Jesus is Lord of their life. That's what it's about. Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm in prison and I'm in Rome and I, and I can't come to you, but I know that you're being obedient. Wherefore, I know that you're being obedient because you've already figured out that Jesus Christ is Lord and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But what Paul was not saying was future tense. Paul was saying right now, Jesus is Lord of your life and I might not be there, but you're doing right even without me there because Jesus is Lord. Hey, I want to tell you something. All of us need to get to the idea of, I do not do what I do because my church says so. Yeah. I don't do what I do because my parents say so. I do what I do because the Bible says so. Amen. Young people, I want to tell you something. If the Lord tarries, he's coming and we, and we all die, you're the next generation. Look at me tonight. You're the, it, it, it's not about you. You know, you, I think you can tell Brother Sykes is pretty uh, interested in his ministry. 
He's excited about people being saved. Brother Sykes, how old are you, by the way? 52? You're a young man. Very young man. Teenagers, I, I just wish that we could just get through to you how important you are to the cause of Christ. Because if you don't believe what we're saying, I'm just telling you, there will be no church for your children to go to. You think it's bad from what he just said a few moments ago? It's going to get worse. And what it comes down to is you will obey in our presence as well as in our absence because it's not obedience to a person, it's obedience to Jesus Christ when he becomes Lord of your life. Now tonight, let's quickly, I want to point, point the rest of this out. It we'll won't take long tonight. But here's what he says. In verse number 12, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, verse 12, as ye have obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. He goes on to say, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things uh, without, without murmurings and disputings. What's the first three words of verse 15? That we may. All right, now. I want to do this backwards tonight if you don't, uh, if you don't mind, because I think it helps understand these few verses together in verses 12 through 16. In other words, in verse number 15, he says that she may be blameless and harmless, the, husband, uh, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to dissect the scripture, but I want, I want you to understand that I think what Apostle Paul's trying to say, that they, he said back then that they were living in a crooked and perverse Nation. All right, now let me, let me explain this real quickly tonight. When Paul said the word perverse, he meant warped. And I don't know about you, if he thought it was warped then, Paul so Paul would, would flip over in his grave. He knew how things are warped today. Things are warped today. Warped. We were sitting in Culver's today. My, uh, it was my kids, and we got lunch, and there was a TV screen on, they had football, and it was right next to where we were sitting. And a commercial came on, and two guys are kissing in the commercial. Now, I want to just tell you something. That's warped. I have never in the, my wildest imagination thought about kissing a fella. You're not born that way. That's perversion. This is idiotic. That's not natural. I don't want to tell you something. We've got a society today, and I know it's lost people. We've got a society today trying to convince people that that is normal, and that is not normal. That is a progression of perversion that causes a person to think that way. I want to tell you, I can guarantee you that the reason, now, in our generation, as far as those, those of us that are in our 52s, <laughs> In our generation, there was uh, the homosexual stayed in the closet, and it, the perversion that was coming out was because, and it was a progression, it was because a person was, first of all, looking at pornography, and then he was looking at, per, not pornography, after pornography, he was actually trying to experience what he had saw through that pornography by committing immorality, whether it was fornication or adultery. And then after, after that so long of that type of perversion, they would go to another step of perversion where they wanted to see two other people that were doing things that they shouldn't be doing in an ungodly manner until they got to that. But our society today that we're living in right now, it's not just the progression of perversion. It's the education of perversion. It's the brainwashing of perversion. Oh, inside of you, you know, you just don't know yet, but it's going to come out whether you really like a girl or whether you really like a guy. That is, that's foolishness. 
You talk about a warped and uh, crooked and perverse. Uh, a warped, the word crooked means uh, warped. Uh, perverse uh, uh, means uh, distorted. It means, uh, means ungodly, wickedness. That's the, and then the word nation. We think of the word nation because we live in the United States of America. But the word nation actually means generation or age or nation. In other words, the age or generation that we're living in right now, it's warped. It's perverted. This is crooked. This is ungodly. We, I just, some of the things that are happening, we can't even wrap our mind around. Why are people doing these things? Abortions every year in the world are estimated between 40 and 50 million. More than 700,000 people die every year because of suicide. Smoking and alcohol kills 11.8 million people every year. The divorce rate in the United States alone is at 49%. Trisha, I'm just telling you that what's going on around, not just the United States, but around the world, it's, it's, it's warped, it's perverted. And that's why when Paul said in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, that's what we're living in. But you know what Paul said? This is what's supposed to happen. While living in this wicked and perverse nation, this is what believers are supposed to be. In verse, I'm doing it backwards, but look at verse 15. In verse 15, what's supposed to, what are we supposed to be? That ye may be, what's the word? Blameless. blameless. That word blameless means faultless, irreproachable. He says, and harmless, that means innocent. I want to tell you, our young people have lost their innocence. It's because of what they're seeing on television. It's what they're seeing on the internet. You know, in our generation, you had to find some way to get a hard copy of a book if you were going to look at pornography. Our children see it anywhere they go. Parents, I know that we're all responsible for the children that God's given us, but I want to tell you something. Some of you need to pull the reins back in on this internet thing. And I don't have any particulars, and I don't have anybody in mind tonight, but I just know what's going on in this world. You're trusting your child to be wholesome and honest when he has a sin nature inside of him. And if all you thought about is what you are like, you would figure out what your children are like. We are wicked to the core. We give, our, we give our kids a smartphone and we think, so, listen, I trust you, with no, no reins in on as far as internet or where they're going or what they're doing, no checks and balances. We wonder why we have problems in our, with, our, with our families today between the husband and wife and there is no, I want to tell you something, if your spouse cannot pick up your phone without you getting all uptight, there's something wrong there. Your wife ought to be able to pick up your phone at any second of the day and, be, and, and she ought to know your password. You, you know, you want to have a good marriage and you take away all security in your marriage because your wife can't trust you because of not, she, she doesn't have liberty to pick up your phone and find out what's on your computer or phone. I want to tell you, that's not healthy for your marriage. I know everybody can't do this. My wife and I have the same, uh, we use Apple phones. We have the same Apple ID. So whatever gets downloaded to my phone automatically is downloaded to her phone. I can, with my phone, touch a button, and I can find out what my kids are on, what my wife is on, by a touch of a button on the phone, because all of our phones are linked to each other. Yeah. Now, I want to tell you something. I still don't like technology. Because I want to tell you something. The young people of this generation are smarter than us, us older folk. <laughs> they know how to get around it. Yeah. And this all halo, I would never do that. Come on. We have a sin nature inside of us. 
It's no wonder this next generation doesn't want to live for God. They are pumped up with so pumped into them so much of the world. There's no, there's no wonder why they can't wait till they're 18. They, they, they're very uh, disinterested in the service. They don't, some of them, don't even, you don't even bring, they don't even bring their Bible to church. The, the pastor has to get on about something and they, get, they puff up. They get all up, uptight about something instead of taking correction in their life. We're living in a wicked world. What are you going to do? The Lord hadn't come back yet. I'm just saying that if, if what Paul was trying to tell the church at Philippi of what they were going through, he said, this is what you're supposed to do, supposed to be in a crooked and perverse nation. You're supposed to be blameless. You're supposed to be harmless. Look what else he says, not only blameless and harmless. I like, this, I like the phrase he uses here in verse number 15. The sons of God. Listen, I don't want to belabor tonight. I, I, know, I, I know whenever I say those things, you guys get nervous but, uh, tonight. But can you under, and, and I'm not long, but do you understand? When, when my children, they don't understand probably, but when they say that, they're less, that, that I'm a hanks, that it, when they do something, it's not, it's not what people think of them. It's what they think of me. Hey, my kids aren't perfect. You know that. I know that. I do believe that one of the requirements for being a pastor is that you have your, your house in order. If my kids, while I'm pastoring and them in my house, if I can't rule my own house, then I shouldn't be, in, be ruling the church of God. Now, I just want to, I just want to clear the air because I think it's good for you to hear me say this. If my kids get married or my kids leave my house and they don't live for God, that does not disqualify me from being a pastor. I don't understand people's thinking today. The kids grow up, they leave their home, and now they're not living for God. You shouldn't pastor that church. And believe it or not, there's people who believe that. I'd like to know what they do with Adam. If I remember correctly in the book of Matthew, Adam was called the son of God. Well, Adam, you messed up. That disqualifies God from being God, I guess. How stupid. But I'm just trying to say that while my kids are in my own home, yes, they are supposed to be ruled and controlled, and they are supposed to do right while they're in the pastor's home. Because if I can't control my own home, then there's no reason for me to be a pastor because that's a qualification to be a preacher. But how many say amen? My, my kids are not perfect. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, they act like their mother, all right? <laughs> but I want to just tell you something. The, I know this is a pride thing, and whether you like it or not, Part of us as parents, the reason, you, say, you, you can disagree if you want, but part of us as parents, the reason we want our kids to behave is because they are a reflection to us. Do you know why we're living in this wicked and perverse world? Why he said, listen, you ought to be harmless, you ought to be blameless, and you ought to be a son of God. Because we represent him. We represent him. Well, I don't think... You know, I should have to wear certain type of clothing, and I shouldn't, I don't think I should have to only go to certain types of places. You represent somebody. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't represent you. Hey, in this wicked and perverse world, how else are we supposed to be acting? Look what he says next. Verse number 15 again. The sons of God. Paul's talking to the, to the church at Philippi. He says, the sons of God without rebuke, that means unblameable, without rebuke, in the midst of a, nothing, there was nothing for them to pinpoint to be able to say, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among which ye shine as lights in the world. What's the believer supposed to be? He's supposed to shine his light. He's supposed to shine his light. I don't know if I've got that up here or not. I think they, 
Ah, I took my, took my light out. Hey, church family, shut, brother uh, Flowers, turn the lights off for just a moment if you don't mind. I don't have the light. You got your light? I'll use yours right there. Now, I know this is not super dark. Thank you very much for doing that. I know that's not, I know that we got the lights on around us, so it kind of takes away from, to illustrate. But church family, I'm going to tell you something. When I shine a light, I can see things. We're living in a wicked and perverse world. It's a dark world that we're living in. The things that are going on, we scratch our head and we, we wonder, God, how long till you come? Goodness gracious, I, I, and, and God doesn't have to apologize to anybody, but I want to tell you what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it was not just homosexuality, it was fullness of bread, it was pride. God wiped it out with fire and brimstone. But God says, until I come back, there ought to be some Christians who light shines. Well, I don't like it that, that people, you know, they look at me as a Christian. That's yeah, because you're shining in a dark world. Amen. There's something different about you. Amen. You're saved. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. You're, you're, not, you're not supposed to be living like the devil and like the children of the devil because you're a child of God. Amen. He's writing to the, to the church of Philippi. He says, listen, you're living in a, a wicked and perverse. Thank you. You can turn the lights on. Thank you so much. He says, you're living in, a, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, the church of Philippi. He says, you ought to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, as lights in the world. Look what he says next in verse number 16. If you'll notice the punctuation at the end of verse number 15, it's a semicolon. It's not a period. He says, holding forth what? The word of life. Now, he's going to transition in the next phrase, but I want to stop and say that's part of what the believer should be in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. What do you mean? What should he be? He should be somebody who holds forth the word. Amen. Now, listen to me. How is, it, how is it that you can believe the Bible for your salvation because you can't believe the Bible for how you're supposed to live your life? Yeah. Well, I'm on my way to heaven because the Bible said, you know, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That same book also said, be ye holy for I am holy. That same book also says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That book also says, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Okay, so the word of God, that's how I'm supposed to live in this wicked, this perverse, this crooked, this warped nation, this era that we're living in right now. Now, I wanna, I wanna, again, I told you we're going a little bit backwards tonight, but what I see here is not only what believers should be, but how can a believer be that? He says it in verse 12 through 14, which is prior to his statement in verse 15. Look at verse number 12 again with me. Now think about this, church family. In verse number 15, what's the first three words? That ye may. All right, so if I'm going to be those things, blameless, harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, as lights in the world, and holding forth the word of life, if I'm going to be that, verses 12, 13, and 14 tells me what I've got to do in order that ye may be. All right, how many understand that? Say Amen. I hope you're not just saying to say it. Do you understand that what Paul, so Paul is saying in verse number 15 is this is what you should be in a crooked and perverse nation, but in order to do that, this is what you're going to have to do. Look what he says now in verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Number one, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But church, I mean, we all know that he, he's not saying work out your salvation as you have to do things in order to get saved because we know that salvation is a free gift of God. Amen? For by grace are you saved through, and that not of. 
So when he says work out your salvation, he's not saying you've got to do some things to get saved. That's an impossibility because the scripture doesn't teach that. Apostle Paul, when he says to work out your, he's talking about living out the Christian life. Work out your salvation. Live out the Christian life with fear and trembling. You know, my, my kids, uh, I feel like that I'm a different father than my father was. Uh, my father died at 58. He um, very much truth, not, not mercy. Uh, he pastored the same church for 33 years, but um, just very strong um, uh, about what he believed. There was no wavering about it. You were going to do this or else you were going to die. I mean, it's just... Um, he was a spanker, uh, used his belt. At school, he used a paddle, but at home, he used a belt. Uh, for some, and, and I say some of these things tonight, and because of the site that we're living in, we always think, well, that's abuse. Or, he didn't abuse me. I felt like it, but he didn't abuse me. <laughs> My kids know that I have faults, but they have no idea what it could be. They have no idea. They think they do, but they don't know. They hear stories, but they don't understand. My father was the one that it didn't matter where you were, if he saw something that was wrong, he addressed it with everybody. If we were in a church service, <clears throat> there would be nothing for my dad to, to say, Scott Hanks, right now, get out of that pew and come to the front row. That's just how he was. Whether you like it or not, that's how he was. My father would go to a basketball game. He carried his Bible everywhere with him. And when he would go to a basketball game, he had his Bible and a paddle. Amen. We would go to other schools, and my father in the gymnasium would spank the player that was not doing right in front of everybody. Say what you want. That's just the way it was. Some of you kids have never gotten a spanking. You can't relate to that. You don't even know what a spanking is. Your, your parents want to counsel you to goodness, which is not going to happen. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. I don't know if I told the story many times. Mom's now moved here. But, Mom, I don't know if you remember the time Dad was spanking me. But my, my brother and I were teenagers. I had done something to my brother. I don't remember what it was because I w was very nice to my brother growing up. <laughs> he called me and my brother into the room. Dad always spanked us in his room at home. Dad would pull out his belt. He was a big man. So when he pulled it out, you felt like you were there for a while. <laughs> Then he would fold it in half, and then he would spank us. It was the only time it ever happened, and I've told the illustration before, never, I don't think my mom, with my mom being here, but my father was spanking me, and he was mad. And he was spanking, and dad didn't go to school for math because he didn't know how to count. <laughs> he just spanked. And I feel like, personally, I felt like he just spanked until he got tired. I was so thankful he was heavy and out of shape because... <laughs> 
That would have been bad. But this one time I'll never forget, my mother, she never interrupted when it comes to discipline, never, because I think my dad would have called her in for a spanking. <laughs> but she opened the door and she said, John, you're going to kill him. And he stopped. I love my mother to this day. <laughs> now, my father had his faults, but I want to tell you something, I love my father. He was my hero. He was my friend. He was my help. I knew he loved me. Amen. We're raising a generation today that we just want to tell our kids, well, I love you. When God said in Revelation 3.18, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Amen. Proverbs 13.24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. We're wondering, oh, we got a generation of kids that don't want to serve God. It's because they don't respect God's authority because they don't respect their parents' authority. Do you understand that if we're going to be what God wants, we've got to, we got to live out our Christian life with fear and trembling. I don't know about you, and maybe our kids won't get it because they didn't get it from us as parents, but I'm just trying to tell you, I still fear God when it comes to my tithe and offering, the reason they come find me if it's not in there is I would never want to not have my tithe and offering in the plate only because I fear him. Amen. I don't have to report to the, to the security or to the deacons. They, 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 don't, they don't tell me whether I tithe. I tithe because, listen, if, if I don't do it, God, God, I'm going to be in trouble with him. Amen. When it comes to the Christian life, it's not a matter of who sees what I do. It's a matter that God sees everything I do. How do I make it in this this midst of this crooked and perverse nation that we live in, I want to tell you how you do it. You live the Christian life with fear and trembling that I don't want to displease my Savior. Look what he says next, not only in verse number 12, he goes on to the next verse here. He says in verse number 13, for it is God which worketh, what's the, what's the preposition? It is for it is God that which worketh in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, I want to tell you how you're going to make it in this midst of this crooked and perverse nation is, number one, live the Christian life with fear and trembling. But number two, you need to want and do God's pleasure. By the way, the reason I had you say the word in is because God will only do things through you because he's in you. What's in you? The Holy Spirit of God's in me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What causes God to be able to do things through a person is because what's in a person. Do you even, do you, do you even want to do God's pleasure you're here for a Sunday night service I'd have to say yes but but do you want to do God's pleasure can I just tell you how do you make it in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation it's real simple he says make sure that you live the Christian life with fear and trembling but second of all make sure that you want and do God's pleasure for your life last thing he says there in verse verse number 14 he says do all things do all things do all things without murmurings and disputings you know what the word murmurings means it means grumbling Listen to me, young people, tonight. I know you think I'm on you, but somebody, somebody has rattled your cage every once in a while. This is ridiculous. Make your bed. <laughs> well, you know, a foreign language or something? <laughs> Go pick up your dirty clothes. <sighs> they got a breathing problem? The Bible says do all things without murmurings and disputings. So that means tomorrow in the Christian school, the teacher says, hey, listen, pull out a sheet of paper. We're going to have a quiz. It's not supposed to be. Uh. 
Stop your grumbling. Hey, hold on, careful. Start acting like a mature young person. Start acting like maybe you're trying to get to adulthood instead of acting like a four-year-old. This is crazy. Parents tell you what to do. A teacher tells you what to do. And you get all uptight about it. You know how you're going to make it in this wicked, perverse, crooked, warped world that we're living in? It's by doing all things without murmurings and disputings. I can't believe they make me go to church. Well, I'll tell you something. They shouldn't have to make you. You ought to want God's pleasure in your life. Now, I want to show this last thing because these verses go together and I'm done. But he says what the believer should be in this midst of this crooked and perverse nation is blameless, harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, light, as light in the world, holding forth the word. He says, how can I do that? Well, by living the Christian life with fear and trembling, by wanting to do God's, the Lord's pleasure, and by doing all things without murmurs and disputings. But what's interesting to me is in verse number 16, this last thing that's interesting. He says, I'll read the first part. It says, holding, verse 16, holding forth the word of life, what's the next three words? that I may, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Now, who's speaking here when he says I? Who's the I? Apostle Paul, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I, Paul, yea, if I be offered, in other words, die, yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Now, Paul, can I just tell you what, what Apostle Paul's saying? He's saying, in the midst of this, this, in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, this age, this generation, this, this people that we're living in, that's where we're living right now. This is wicked, what's going on in our society. He says, as a Christian, you ought to be harmless and you ought to be innocent and you ought to be holding forth the word of life and you ought to act like a son of God. And he says, I want to tell you how you're going to do that. He says, the way you're going to do that is to, to, to live the Christian life with fear and trembling, that you wouldn't displease the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would have a want-to inside of you to do his pleasure, and that you would do all things without murmurings and disputings for this reason that I, Apostle Paul, that I may, and can I paraphrase, that I may know that I haven't labored in vain. Now, here's what I gather from that. Somebody invested in you. And by the way, if you're a first-generation Christian, somebody's still invested in you. Some of you tonight are second and third and maybe even fourth-generation Christians. Somebody invested in you. Somebody one day is going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and get the rewards like the crown of joy, crown of rejoicing for salvation, uh, giving the gospel. There's somebody that's going to be rewarded because they invested in you and you took the investment. Apostle Paul says, I don't want all of the work that I did at Philippi. The Philippian jailer got saved. Lydia got saved. The, the, the demon-possessed girl got saved. The church was established. And now he's sitting in a, in a prison in Rome, and he says, I don't want to die and think that everything I did in Philippi is a waste. Young people tonight, do you understand? I know God's the supreme, and I know we want to please the Lord, but do you understand that you have parents that you're going to break their heart if you don't stay on the right road. And, and if I can say what Paul said, you know how your parents are going to feel? 
Boy, that was a waste. That was empty. All the work, all the, everything I did. And, and, and church, I'm like, we all understand good kids do not turn out because of good parents. Except the Lord build the house. Good kids, kids turn out because there's a God in heaven. Amen. We can't do this. Well, look at my kids, they're still in church. No. All honor, glory, anything, the grace of God that any child turns out for God is because there's a God in heaven. Hey, by the way, and I'll just say this just in passing, and, I'm, and I, I will be done tonight. It's 717 if you were wondering, just to let you know, okay? Some of you ought to really stop and think about the people who invested in your life, whether it's a parent or a pastor or a friend, and say thank you. I think the person who led me to Christ was Chuck Thompson. I think. I don't know for sure, to be honest with you. I was uh, 11 years old, obviously. And uh, I sat down. And I th- it was a young person in the church. I, I think. I don't know. I-, I, don't, I think I've even asked Chuck before. I don't think Chuck knows either. Chuck's dying with cancer. He's 50, 60. Is he 60 years old now? And so he's uh, got a brain cancer. And... Um, but I'm ever mindful every day of my life of the day I got saved that I realized I was a sinner bound for hell needing a savior. I remember that fourth row. I remember coming to the front. I remember my father moving me over to the side. I think Chuck, some young person that was older than I, went to the verses that I'd heard before that I was a sinner because of my sin, that, that sin debt was for me to go to hell forever, but that Jesus loved me. And that by faith, all I do was ask him to save me and he would. Amen. I called Chuck a couple of days ago and just asked him how he was doing. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, he's on this program as far as he wears electrodes on his head on almost 24 hours a day, electrodes on his head, and he's in this program of trying to beat this type of cancer. And so they're using him as the poster child for, for this particular type of cancer. I, at mom, two years now, he's been alive, and I think, in fact, if I remember correctly, the same type of cancer Brother Edwards had, if I remember correctly. And the average person lives 11 months. If I remember correctly, about 11 months. And so they're really using him to be able to talk to these people. And he, he was telling me, he says, you know, it's interesting. They get really nervous about using me because I tell people about Jesus. <laughs> but he's still living. And so he's, they want to use him. I'm thankful that there was a Chuck Thompson in the church that I was at that could open a Bible and show me that I was a sinner. Who led you to Christ? You know, Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But I pinpoint several things in my life that brought me to this point. The grace of God, the parents that I had, the book of Proverbs, the person I married, the church who called me. There are just several key things in my life that I look back, they just would never have happened. Just I want to tell you something. You better never forget there's somebody who invested in you. Some of you need to get on a phone and tonight just to call and say, hey, listen, I just appreciate what you've done for me. Because you wouldn't be where you're at if it wasn't for them.
Oh, there's the grace of God. Church, I know that we're living in a weird time right now. I stopped listening to the news as of the last election, and actually yesterday I felt like maybe I should start listening to some, but I honestly feel like that if I don't listen to the news, I won't be mad at you when I get to the pulpit. This world is so warped. It's just warped. There are no perfect Christians. We're all sinners. We're all going to do things wrong. But as it said in Proverbs, a just man falls seven times, we get back up. We thank God for his forgiveness and his mercy, and we continue the life that God's allowed us to live. But this world's not going to get any better until the Lord comes back. So guess what you should be doing? You should let your light shine. You should hold forth to the word of life. You should do your best to live the Christian life so that you're harmless and blameless. And I want to tell you how you're going to do that. Make sure you live your Christian life with fear and trembling. That's what you need to do. You need to live your life without grumbling all things, without murmurings and disputings. That's what we should be doing in the Christian life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?